0: Welcome back, everybody, to Real Southern Football. I am Cole Neely. Please follow me on Twitter at Dcole Neely. Seriously, go do it. A lot of great things are going to be happening this this football season. We're speaking things into existence. It's just going to happen. I I don't know how, but it's going to happen by the grace of God. Um, Welcome back. This is um, Season 2, Episode 2. I know it has been about, what, three, four weeks since I last put out an episode. For good reason. I've been busy as – Every adult will probably be, <laughs> um but yeah, I've been busy, I've been doing a lot of different things. um I just had a birthday, just turned twenty three Crazy to say that, right not really um but yeah, a lot of great things are coming um you know there's you know, some some things we're gonna I'm gonna allude to uh towards the end of this episode where you'll see um but this episode will feature coach chronic um it's interesting it's a really interesting episode talking about Mercer football. we talked about Jason Poe. Uh, who was drafted by? Not drafted, but picked up by um, the 49ers, which they have a solid offensive line. So he's in a really good position. Um, hopefully he'll shine. I think he's a talented football player. Personally, I felt like he was more of the Jacobs Blocking Award winner than somebody else that I will mention a little bit later on. That me and Coach Crime will kind of flirt around those lines. We won't say we'll say the name, but we won't talk bad about that person. Um, and by that person, I mean Cole Strange. Cole Strange is a really good football player. watching him in the Senior Bowl. Um, a lot of guys were a little bit shocked that he went that early. Some were really happy. Some were perplexed. That happens. I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love it for the SoCon. I'm I'm happy for Chat. I'm clapping up for Chat. Got a first round pick. Hey, hey, look, that's a great recruiting pitch if you're if you're Chattanooga and, you, you, and especially if you're in the transfer portal in high school. It's just like, yeah. Come to our school, we had a first round pick. He was an offensive lineman, played against all these big schools, kicked butt Jake was blocking award winner just a just a great stud, just' a stud, all right, just a stud okay that that would be my recruiting pitch, honestly, I mean, how can you beat that first round pick to the patriots? come on, just come, come on, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so um really great episode that's coming up um, I do want to talk about a tweet that I saw. Um, I want to say on the 23rd of May from FCS nation radio, really great Twitter account to follow. If you like um, Southern conference football, if you're a Citadel fan, if you don't like Furman um, or just curious to just hear perspectives about college football, I think FCS nation radio is a great account to follow. Um, I will be, I'm going to put that tweet up, you know, we're going to have that tweet up. So you'll hear me talking over it, but The tweet was, um, and I'll I'll read it word for word here. First in series predicting order of finish in each FCS conference, SOCON up first. So, number one, he has ETSU. Number two, Western Carolina. Number three, Chattanooga. Number four, Mercer. Number five, the Citadel. Six, Furman. Seven, VMI. Eight, Sanford. Nine, Wofford. All right. Here's the thing about this. And... I'm not I'm not going to predict who I think will win the conference right now. I think that's a discussion down the road when we kind of look at the schedules and then we predict winners of those games. Um and and, and by the way, I actually predicted really well for my first time ever predicting like Southern Conference games. I think I was like 70 I, was, I think it was 80% plus maybe. I don't know, I got to go back and like pull that back up, but I predicted that pretty well. Okay? I had a really good indication of who's going to win um, some, most of those games. Um, unfortunately, I was wrong about the winner of the conference, but one of my dark horses won the conference. It was ETSU who had a solid playoff run, and they got, got to North Dakota State, and North Dakota State did North Dakota State things. All right. But I just want to dissect this. So if I understand this is his first in series predicting order, um, who will finish where um, in the SoCon. But I'm I'm going to just kind of change this around a little bit. So this, what I'm about to say in my list will feature who I believe will, not who I believe will, how who's one through nine, who's ranked where at the start of the season. So this is my preseason ranking. So what I'll say, this is what I'll put. I'll say this as a preseason ranking. That way, you know, no one gets muddy. No one gets upset because, oh, you're saying that. So so beat us out or so I don't want to get on all that. All right, preseason rankings right here. This is fair. This is who I think in just terms of power rankings. This is where I just feel like some teams are right now, and where some teams will probably be. Um, when the season starts, I mean. But um, let's go ahead and just jump in just real quickly. Um, number one, ETSU. I think that's that's safe to say. I think ETSU is a it's a solid pick. They, they, again, you get guys that are coming in to transfer portal. I mean, I, I just feel like, I feel like they honestly, I feel like they could drop off to number three, if anything. I, I think they they can flirt between one or three, and uh, I'll say why right now. I think it, it comes down to if, from what we heard from the interview with Coach uh, Quarles, if Tyler Rydell isn't the guy, Brock Landis is the guy. We got to see Brock Landis prove himself in games first. In a new system, which is second, um, we got to see how that works out. We got to see how that gels together. Um, I think they're pretty good on offensive line, if I'm not mistaken. That's what Coach Quarles had said. Um, So a lot of of great things with that team. I think they have a lot of pluses, a lot more pluses than they do negatives. So I'm willing to agree that I think they'll start off the season at one. Just because they're the reigning champs, I feel like you have to put the reigning champs at one. I think it's only right. That's the respect that they that they deserve. Now, will they stay there when the season ends? I don't know. Will I predict it at some point? Absolutely, I will predict it at some point, but um, not right now. So I'm gonna keep them at one. Um, number two, I'm gonna actually. I'm, I'm gonna probably. I'm gonna keep Western Carolina there. I just think they're a team where they've. They've been balling, dude. I mean, they, they came alive late in the season, and um, if I'm not mistaken, they had Chattanooga's number. I mean, they, they're they're a team that they, they can be really pretty. They can be pretty good. I mean, you you, just, you can't sleep on them. I think they're a really talented football team. Um, their their new head coach, he's he's doing some great things, and hopefully, we'll get him on the podcast at some point. But I mean, he's he's killing it up over there, and in, in you know, in Columbia right now. So I, I'm I'm gonna keep them at two. I mean, they just they have a lot of. Positive things going on there. He's really changed that culture there. All right, number three, I'm going to put Mercer there. I think Mercer is more than capable of being number one by the time the season start, or not even start starts, but by the time the season ends. Excuse me, babbling. By the time the season ends, um, I think Mercer can be that number one team. I think they're they're hungry, as you'll hear in later on in this episode. Uh, they wanna they want to compete for a, they want they want a conference championship. They they were this close. They tasted it. And they just didn't get it done, unfortunately, for them. But um, I, th- I think I like them between that that one and three spot. I think they Really, I think they're interchangeable with ETSU. I think Western Carolina solidified themselves as a number two team. I don't know why I feel like that is, but I just feel like that's the reason. I feel like that they're meant to be there. I don't know why, but I just feel like they're meant to be there. But I feel like ETSU and Chattanooga can be interchangeable. Um, so, yeah. So number four, um, uh, not Chattanooga, but ETSU and uh, Mercer can be interchangeable. But number four, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put Furman there. Number four, um, again, I, I really like what my what my um, what my school has done um, this this past off season. And I'm not saying this as a Furman fan or as an um, alumni. I'm not saying it as, as any of that, okay? I'm saying it as somebody that's actually paid attention to this team, seeing how they've grown. Um, I think they have a, l- a lot more consistency at quarterback. I think that was the main concern that they had last year. They didn't have a lot of consistency at that spot. I think Jace Wilson is going to be the big solution for them. If not, they have two guys that are coming in. Um, they have one transferring in from Presbyterian who's throwing the ball a lot. So I think they want to get more into throwing the ball. I think um, the new offensive co- coordinator uh, Justin Roper. I think he's gonna think he's gonna really change the way we see or we've seen Paladin football um, kind of work in in, in past seasons. Um, I really like their run game. Dominic Roberto six games and over 600 yards rushing. That's incredible. Um, defensively, yes, you lose a lot of your, you know, your, your fronts, your defensive line, but they have talented guys that are still there. I mean, Bryce Stanfield, I think he's going to be a guy that is going to just dominate up front. Matthew Sachoka. I mean, there's just so many different things. I mean, Jeremiah uh, Jackson. I mean, there's so many things that they have. I mean, they, they can be really good. They can be a really good football team. Um, so I, I think Furman will probably be. My number four team right now, the season were to start today. Uh, number five, I'm going to put Chattanooga there. Just sometimes they they show up, they don't show up. They start off strong, they don't finish strong. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's another conversation. Maybe I got to talk to Coach Coach Rusty about that one. I, I don't know, Coach Rusty. Right, if you if you listen to this episode, please I, come on the podcast. And I really want to talk about why what's up with this episode with Chattanooga. They start off strong. And then they kind of fade off. Start off strong and then just fade off. I don't understand that, but I would love to talk to him more about that. I feel like he'd give me great insight. He might cuss me out. I don't know. But I would love to talk to Coach Wright about that. Yes, so so that would be my number five team. My number six team. (sighs) I'm going to go with VMI. I'm going to say VMI. I just think they have more potential there. Um, I just... I'll I'll go more in depth about VMI at a later point, but I, I just I don't know, I like VMI. Number seven, I'm gonna say the Citadel. Um they lost their starting quarterback if I'm not mistaken. Um and it seems like their offense just couldn't really get much going. Um I'll never forget <laughs> I'll never forget um when I was in the booth as a color analyst for the Furman and Citadel game, and when um, the head coach for the Citadel was getting upset and it just <laughs> it's a funny moment i'm not gonna lie to you. it was a really funny moment but he was just so upset i forgot what call it was i think it might have been a a holding call that kind of cost him the game if i'm not mistaken something like that but it, it was just a funny moment so um i'm sorry i, I just laughed at that um sanford uh i think they're they're eight <sighs> it's gonna be interesting how they respond not having lean well there and the type of uh, playmakers that that can fill the spots of Montreal, Washington, who is now with the Denver Broncos. Congratulations to him! He got drafted in the fifth round. So hey, Sanford, Chattanooga. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you're doing something right. You're putting guys in the NFL. Um, and then nine, those those puppy dogs, <laughs> Spartanburg man. Uh, they're they're going through it. Um, if I had to say if I had to say a coach had a hot seat right now. It is definitely the one in Spartanburg. I feel like his seat is pretty pretty warm right now because they have not been very good. I feel like, and I said this in a I think last season during the podcast is that it felt like more he was writing the the ending. The, he was writing the end of that coattail, uh, Coach Ayres' teams, of the guys that he drafted, and here we are now. It's not looking very good. And they could change all that. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for improving. Things change in the offseason. I mean, you could be the worst team in the conference. Next thing you know, you're the best team in the conference. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look at Western. They're joking. one of the jokes. Oh, yeah, one of the jokes. The BMI. Been a joke of the of the SoCon for a long time. Spring season that now can we can say was a little bit of a fluke. I turned it all around. Western, they could potentially be one of those teams that turn it all around but i and wofford could be too but i just i'm not very confident in wofford i don't think that they are um i think they, they i think it's going to be it's going to be a struggle i think it's going to be it's going to be a time where they're going to have to regroup and they're going to have to get things going i mean they, they may perform well i don't know i just i don't know there's a lot of injuries that kind of hurt them early and they started the season off not you know not terribly but um they just it just got hard for them to of put put together some wins so I, I i would think that seat is a little bit warm at wofford that seat has to be a little bit warm at sanford and i know that seat at the citadel has to be a little bit scorching right now um but i think what saved would save that seat a little bit cooled it cooled it down a little bit was the was beating wofford so um if i if i had to guess but yeah those are those would be those three teams that i think the seats getting a little warm but um, preseason uh, rankings right now, definitely ETSU at one. Number two, Western Carolina. Three, Mercer, which can change with ETSU. I feel like those two, those two teams can flip-flop. Um, four, Furman. <clears throat> um, five, Chattanooga. Six, VMI. Seven, Citadel. Eight, Sanford. Nine, Wofford. I think that's just a safe pick. So SCS Nation Radio, thank you for posting that tweet. Thank you for posting that tweet. Cause I really wanted somebody, else. I wanted another opinion. So, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. We're going to get you on the podcast at some point. Cause I really want to know where this Hate for Furman stems from. I understand you probably, I think you went to the set though. Maybe, I don't know. And that, that's a conversation we, we need to have. Um, but yes, a lot of great information uh, with coach chronic and a lot of great things to come. So stick around for this episode and also pay attention to the very end of this episode because it is teased for some things to come for next episode. So stay tuned. All right, Coach Chronic, welcome. Um, it's, it's weird because the last time I remember talking with you was back in 2018. You were getting ready to go to Lenore Ryan. You were leaving Furman. Um, I think that was the last time we had talked and Spring Press was just getting started. So how have you been since then? I mean, a lot of great things have happened to you, obviously, but how have you been?
1: Good. Uh, family's good. I mean, it's been a wild ride a little bit, but, yeah. but I guess I, <laughs> it was kind of a quick deal because we uh, – I think we played Wofford in the playoffs there at Furman. Mm-hmm. And, and then literally the next day um, – they caught they wanted me to come interview there and it was just three days later and it was uh it was time to it was i was working for lenore ryan so uh it was hit the ground running um we took over a program that i think they've gone three and seven and three and eight the two years you know prior and so we had our hands full we had to get it fixed you know and uh it just man the lord blessed what we were doing and and kids did a great job and coaches did a good job and uh, we turned it around and I guess went 12 and two in the first year and then 13 and one uh, and played in the national quarterfinals both years and and that led to the opportunity at, at Mercer so which is you know Mercer's back in my home state of Georgia and so it's been we've been blessed we've been blessed.
0: Oh, you've definitely been blessed and I just want to go ahead and jump right into um, I guess the the one thing that you, you really want to put kind of you want to close the chapter on, and that's that that championship game um, last fall between ETSU. Um, and of course, your Mercer Bears with the amount of time I was left in that game well, was was kind of going through your head, I guess, on that last drive that ETSU had. Um, it, it just felt like it was kind of hard to stop them for a second. And then you guys got the ball back. You go for a field goal. Um you don't get the field goal. What was, I guess, those last few minutes of that game like in your head as a head coach? Because a lot of a lot of people want to say, "Oh, think about this, think about that." But what was that moment like for you?
1: Oh, first of all, it's fun. I, <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy the competition, um, and it was a great football game. You know, it was it was uh, East Tennessee, a really good football team, and um, you know, it was uh, it was a conference championship game. It was a, it was a playoff caliber game and uh it went back and forth and it was momentum swings and um god they have a great looking team and our and our kids just we've gotten you know we've improved and you know got better and believing in ourselves and um you know it went back and forth i think we've taken the lead there um and then we had a couple untimely turnovers in the fourth quarter but we still had a chance you know they scored and we still had i think about a minute and a half or so left when we got the ball and down by three and we went right you know we went down the field we put a good drive together and you're just trying to you know you're trying to I think a lot of times people get if you'll just be almost patient in those situations and just manage it and just try to give the kids something they can execute and um and I thought our kids did I thought we moved down the field we we stalled there on about the 30 yard line I guess maybe 20 27 yard line something like that I don't remember exactly and we just barely missed a field goal I mean it literally it, it, he just and, and that kid had been, had a good year for us and he just he just missed it just a little bit you know and and uh so we needed to make one more play um but it wasn't our time yet you know sometimes you just gotta you gotta be thankful for how far you've come because the the program at Mercer was not in good shape I guess when I got there um they never really won had never had a winning record in the Southern Conference um and uh we're 11 and 5 in the southern conference since I've been the head coach there all and all those games were in one calendar year <laughs> you know <laughs> so so uh so because we had the spring season and and um so we've come a long way so while you want to win that game and you and you, you got to take advantage of opportunities you still got to look at how far you've come and learn from it and and our guys you know they were hurt it it, it crushed them which is which is great you know because that means that there's buy-in, but they, they care. You know they worked hard, and and uh, um, and East Tennessee had that kind of a year. You know they won a lot of, they they won some games like that. even their playoff game versus Kennesaw State was just crazy at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Vanderbilt. You know they had a good football team, and we were right there. We were right there. So just got to make one more play.
0: Yep, hundred percent. I, I agree with that. I was keeping I was, as I was keeping up with both teams throughout the year. Um, that Vanderbilt game that ETSU had was just crazy because it's not every day you hear about SoCon team just manhandling a power five team. Yeah. Like beat them down. Right. Beat them, beat them down. Yeah, beat them <laughs> yeah. bad. And then I don't want to take too much away from what your squad did too. I mean, you guys were hanging with Alabama for a good portion of that game. And of course, it, it got a little bit out of hand towards me yeah. as the game was going on, but that it doesn't diminish how good your team was that during that year. So I mean, just looking at how things are and where the team is going, how has this offseason been for you and the guys? You know, what's that mentality? What's the, I guess, the offseason philosophy? There's always a different offseason philosophy for, you know, every year after a season's over. So what's this year's offseason philosophy?
1: Well, first of all, it's nice to have an offseason, okay? <laughs> it's uh, uh, when I got the job, we came in and started implementing our, our, our culture, our values. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, we got two days into spring practice and the pandemic hit and they sent us home. So the second spring, we played eight games. So uh, this was our first true chance to have a spring practice. And we went earlier. We did – we went in February for spring and got our 15 days in. Um, and then since that time, obviously, we've just been training, you know, weight room, trying to get bigger and stronger. And that's been going really well. But I needed an all season personally. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and uh, – uh, our kids needed it because we, there had been three straight, cause we actually played three games the previous fall, you know? So we played a, a three game season and in, in 20, the fall of 20. And then we played an eight game spring last spring. And then of course played a full season. So we've been really doing game preparation, you know, just constantly. Okay. And so this spring, it was just good to worry about us and develop and, even though we were working really hard, I felt like the batteries were recharged um, and our guys uh, we've laid a foundation now, um, you know, and, and honestly, the right kids are gone. Okay. Sometimes you have a little addition by subtraction and then we've been able to add pieces and now everybody understands how we want to do things. And, and our kids are, are doing a great job. They're really doing a great job. We've, we've been blowing it away in the weight room. And those were the things we wanted to do. We wanted to have a good spring to, to get better fundamentally. Um, and then we wanted to have a really good off season of true training. Like I said, for the first time since we've been there, I mean, the previous fall, we actually were training during the pandemic. We actually did our weight training outside. You know, we did a lot of things outdoors. Right. Um, and sometimes it'd be 40 degrees out. I mean, so, so now we finally actually got to be in the weight room constantly do, you know, doing things. Our guys are, actually doing finals this week coming up um you know so we're kind of tying everything together this spring and um we'll bring them back here in june and have a good eight week cycle in the summer we actually played week week zero this fall okay. uh, and uh start off with uh with morehead state
0: right
2: and then
1: play auburn <laughs> you know Gardner web and then then the socon so yeah. it's, it's uh we got a full schedule in front of us.
0: Oh yeah, nothing like playing the, the good old teams in the state of Alabama, huh? And especially the SEC. Yep, that's um, it. <laughs> um, so uh, with the culture aspect of what you've implemented, um, not only in your time so far in Mercer, but what you did in Lenore Ryan. As successful as you've been so so far in your career, how exactly do you implement a culture to where guys buy in? How does it I guess. How does a head coach like yourself? How do you? How are you able to do it? Because so far, you're doing. You've done it. At least you've done it at um, Reinhardt when you were there at one point. You've done it at Lenore Ryan, and right now you're doing it at Mercer. You're turning programs around. H- how exactly do you do that?
1: You know, I, I had a, I had a great opportunity to start a program from scratch at Reinhardt, and I got to do it with my dad. Okay, mm-hmm. and my dad was the first head. I played for my dad in high school. Uh, he was a longtime high school coach at East Coweta High School there in in uh, in, uh, in Georgia, um, and so uh, I was at Furman, you know, one time before, and I uh, was there about nine years, and and uh, we left there in 2010. And we had the chance to start that program from scratch, so I got to learn a lot, and I got to be around a guy that I think is really special. This this is my dad. I got to play for him in high school, but I wasn't mature enough to really appreciate everything that that he did and how he handled things. And I believe my dad's a culture builder. I believe he, he loves players. He tries to honor the Lord the way he runs the program. Um, And he holds people accountable. Okay. And, but he does it in a way where they know he cares about it. And so I learned a lot just, just starting that program from scratch. And then he, he retired after two years there and I got to take over as head coach. And I'm, I'm not him. My personality is going to be a little different than him, but those base values, we took that. And then I added, you know, who I am to that in that leadership role. And what's really important to me is that, like I said, we honor the Lord the way we do things and our three pillars of our program are love, compete, believe. If you come in our hallway or in our locker room or in my office, even you can see those things on the wall and we have scriptures that go with those, uh, each one of those pillars. And I really believe this now, if a group of kids love each other, they generally, whatever they have in them, okay, however good they can possibly be, they'll reach it, okay, and and so, but it's hard for them players to really do that unless we, unless we as coaches love each other and then love them, you know, and that's tough love sometimes. You love people by holding them accountable, by believing in them, okay, mm-hmm. by putting them in situations where they can be successful, and when I got to Mercer, or any place I've ever been, when we got to Lenoir, Ryan, you're trying to implement those things, and when you're trying to do things at a championship level champions act like a champion on a daily basis. That's, that's, that's what builds into that. They don't just show up on a Saturday and get it done. There's, there's a process to that and and you're building habits. Um, And when you come in and you implement that, we come in, we're loving our players the right way, which means we're going to be in study hall. We're going to be at class every day, five minutes early. We're going to be in the weight room, ready to go on time. We're going to eat a certain way. We're going to all get up. We're going to get up, eat breakfast together. Uh, We're going to, uh, we're going to go do some community service we're going to make good grades we're, we're going to hold people accountable for developing because if you come in the program and you don't gain weight and put muscle on all right you're not holding up your end of the deal so there's accountability that goes with that but there's also kids seeing us fight for them seeing us believe in them seeing us stand up for them uh, you know and seeing us hold everybody accountable at a high level so nobody's getting. You can't look at one guy and go. Well, they're treating him different than they are this guy. We're treating them, whether you're the four string kicker or the first string quarterback or who are all conference, whatever you're being you're being held to the same standard. And so I think when kids see that and you have that consistency, um, most of them will buy in. Most of them will buy in. Sometimes people find an exit ramp, and that's okay. That means they 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 need to be somewhere else. Okay, mm-hmm. but we talk about loving each other. Um, we talk about competing at a high level, and I'm talking about daily. In the classroom. Okay. If they tell us we're gonna play in the parking lot at 2 a.m., let's show up and be ready to go. You know, I got I got three sons at home. We all gotta to learn to be. I was just outside playing pickup. I'm 48 years old and I'm I'm decrepit and can't hardly move anymore, but we're out there going at, it, okay, because you gotta fight for for to win. You gotta you gotta you gotta go earn what you want and you gotta do it with integrity and do it the right way, you know, and and it's okay if you fail. It's okay if you fail. It ain't okay if you didn't Okay, so we talk a lot about competition. And then our last thing is believe. And, and I think this, I think if you'll just hang on to, if you if you just do things right over and over again, treat people good on a daily basis, bust your tail, at some point something good is going to happen. It's, it's coming. Okay, it's going to happen when you're ready for it. So those are the things we talk about, and those are the things that are important to me and my staff. And I have a great staff who honors those things because it takes a bunch of guys, it takes a bunch of people to run a program that are all have the same message and they're all heading in the same direction. Okay. And so everybody, the strength coach is critical in that. Coach Evan Barr, our strength coach is critical in that. He's a good man that understands what we want to do. All my assistant coaches, Hey, same consistent message, hold your kids accountable, be hard on them, but they need to know you care about, them. you know, and, and, and then you need some good things to happen just to solidify it. You know, if all the work you're doing and the, and the kids don't see something OK, you need that. And so far, we've been fortunate at the Lenore run. It happened really fast. We were straight, it, it just everything went right. OK, here. We we did it during a pandemic, which I'm I'm proud of a lot of people because it was, it was difficult. It was a pandemic and all the social issues and a lot of things going on that uh, that are hard, yeah. you know, and, and our, a lot of our guys hung in there and now they're seeing what happens for them when they do things the right way, when they show up every day, when they care about each other, when they compete the tail off, and they just believe doing right is going to get them there. Um, and so this semester has been so much fun for me because you can see the glue really drying on all those things with our team. We have a foundation. laid. They understand those things. We're not perfect. We're not always there yet. Um, but but they're buying into those values, and, and I like our players. I like them. Um, they're fun to be around, and and they're trying to honor what we're asking them to do. We don't have any perfect people, okay, but they're trying hard, uh, and that makes it fun to coach them because they want to be coached. You know, they want to do right, and and they believe our kids think we're going to win every game next fall. And that's what I want. You gotta
0: okay? have that expectation. Yeah, you gotta you have. Know, so
1: absolutely, we want to have we want to have confidence, but we want to be confident because we're prepared. Mm-hmm. Okay, being prepared makes you confident. Okay. And uh, you know, and this is a great league we play in. Anybody can beat anybody. You see it all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, you got you got to be ready every week. Um, it doesn't. I mean, everybody can beat you. Um, you know, so it's it's a great challenge to be prepared at a high level every week and show up and play the same way at a high level every week. Um, but it's fun. I enjoy it. I mean, it. This is. You can probably tell I'm excited about where we're headed and what we're doing. So.
0: I mean, I, I got jacked up just listening to you talk. I mean, I felt like I was playing for you. <laughs>
1: And listen to what we did, you know, affirming that the year yeah. I was there and, and I, and I, le- you learn a lot from people. You learn a lot being around coach. Henderson's a good man. I learned things from him. I learned things from being around coach quarrels and coach stags. And, you know, you, you're always picking up something. You're always trying. I mean, but heck we, they have won three games the year before we got there and we went to suck around the playoffs that first year. So I really think when you it's about those things, it's about believing in what you're doing and guys coming together you know, and caring about each other and and uh I'm proud of what we did at Firm and I'm proud of what we did at Reinhardt. I'm proud of what we did at Lord you know, Ryan now I'm proud of what we're doing at Mercer.
0: Yeah, I mean no doubt. I mean, just the amount of success you've had so far. I mean, guys really blessed you. And that, that's something I'll, I'll, i do want to touch in um, a little bit more kind of later, a little bit later on in the episode. I do want to make sure we cover all the the so-commercial stuff, you know, and then I really want to kind of tune in more on the demand, you know, that's 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 kind of started it all so far, you know, with this Mercer football team since the pandemic has happened. So I, I will come back to that. But just a side note, just kind of speaking about the SoCon, does it not feel weird that mm-hmm. just about every season, somebody whoever wins the conference always loses at least one game. No one can just outright win it all. Just it's tough. It? I mean, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough. It's season. hard. I mean, it, it's really it's really hard. So I guess. With all the preparation that goes into it, and all the players that you have at Mercer, um, how exactly, how hard is it to really prepare against a lot of these teams that you play against?
1: Well, I mean, you know, there some programs sometimes they get a different coach or a different coordinator on offense, or I mean, so there's there's constant change.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
1: then you also have those those folks that have, you know, been there a while, and so it becomes even a different kind of chess match because you've had matchups versus Dwayne Vaughn at front, you know, so hit, what he's doing defensively, what we're doing offensively or, or vice versa, you know, uh, the defense coordinator, you know, at East Tennessee, has been there forever. I mean, you know, so you kind of know what he's going to do, but what wrinkle is he going to throw in? I mean, so it, it's, it, it's fun. It's constantly, you're trying to, what, what do we need to show them this time? What have they not seen us do? How do we change it up, you know, but still do what we do fundamentally and, um, you know it's gonna be interesting. You know the team, the team that you know Western is is kind of an interesting team. You know they're an interesting team. You know because they got a lot better as the season went on, and they'll they'll have some some really talented players. And um, you know you look at I mean VMI that guy does a great job up there. You know we they've had our number. That's the one team we have not beaten in two tries, and and we uh, we got, got to figure that out. You know uh, um, so uh, every every week is its own. You know, battle, and then you know there'll be some there'll be changes. Uh so, you know, Furman's got a new offensive coordinator. You know, East Tennessee's going to have a new offensive coordinator. You know, new head coach there, obviously. And, yep. um, you know, Sanford, they're going to they're not going to change offense. They're going to throw it all over the place like they've been doing. You know, so every you know it's it's uh it's kind of figuring some of those things out early in the year when you're when we play against uh, Morehead State. They've had a head coach there for several years, and his coordinators have been there. So you kind of how much are they going to change? Probably not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're trying to do this offseason is have just a maybe four or five, especially teams that were playing earlier in the season, where we go ahead and do some preliminary, you know, game planning just to make sure we're ahead of some things. And, um, and that's the stuff I enjoy anyway. I enjoy, you know, just trying to figure out how can we get them? You know, it's how can we part. get them? That's right. You know, so – but it's challenging. There's really good coaches in this league. Yeah. um there, there's a you know people are sound and they play hard and and they have good players um you know so uh i think I, I really felt like it was a i'm gonna be honest with you pure honesty i thought it was a slap in the face that we didn't get in the playoffs in 100% the agree. you know and and so uh, but that's okay we haven't been there we've got to show people we deserve to be there and the bottom line was we needed to win another game to do it mm-hmm. um, but i think this is a good league and i think uh you know, everybody's chasing North Coast State. You know, everybody's been chasing James Mass Now James Madison's moving up, so that'll change some things a little bit. But um, I think this is a good league, and I think this is a league that can do some things in the playoffs, and that's ultimately what we want to try to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I really did. I felt like you guys got snubbed. I mean, the way you guys played ETSU, how you played every team in the conference, I mean, there is no, no reason why Mercer should not have been in the playoffs. I 100% agree with you. And I do want to talk about one of your players that um, that just got picked up by an NFL team
2: uh, mm-hmm. yesterday,
0: Jason Poe. Um, probably one of the more electric offensive linemen in this conference. Myself personally, I felt like he was the best offensive lineman in the conference. Um, I, I felt like there was no question about that. But I, I want to talk a little bit about his journey because he was at Lenore Ryan with you at, at one point, And then he transferred when we came to Mercer. What was it like watching him kind of grow into the man that he's become, the player that he's become?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've known Jason for a while because uh, he played Fitzgerald High School, okay, and uh, and Coach Jason Strickland was there, and they always brought their teams up to our team camp at Reinhardt, and they ran some, I've got a little bit of a base in the wing tee and some of the things we do on offense, so uh, they were a wing tee, and so, there went kind of a winy press coach Strickland and I had a lot of things in common we enjoyed spending time together and learning from each other and they would always come to our team camp so you know Jason was up on our campus there and uh he was a really good guard in high school in that system he had to pull a lot you know and he was extremely very explosive and could run for his size um you know he actually went junior college uh out of high school as a fullback okay and then we got him uh it, it, when we got the job at, at Lenore Ryan, we were looking for a, a lineman who could do some of the things that we do on the jet sweep, which is have a guard that could pull out in front of that thing and, and block some people in space. And that was the guy we kind of kind of worked out. You know, he came with us, and uh, he actually played at probably 240 or 250 for us at Lenore Ryan. He won the Jacobs blocking award twice there. And when I, when I got the job at Mercer, um, he still had another year to graduate. So that was before the new transfer portal rules where, you know, you, you couldn't transfer up a level and be eligible immediately. So he wanted he finished his degree and then came on with us. When he showed up on our campus, he was 290, okay, and it was like grabbing that wall over there. I mean, he was just, you know, just strong, explosive, you know, power clean and bench. And sw- I mean, just a strong guy in the weight room. And then obviously he's gotten even bigger in, in, in and at the, at, the, at the workout at, at Georgia when he went to the pro day at Georgia, I think he was I think he was 300 um, you know and running 49 you know, you know at 300 I mean just uh, so he is a great young man. I mean he is, a, he is a, just an outstanding person, hard worker, was a good student um, and dreamed big dreams and worked to achieve them. You know and he he got that uh i guess that free agent deal with the 49ers um you know and i have no doubt in my mind all he needed was an opportunity even though he didn't get drafted all he needed was an opportunity and, and he's earned that you know so we're excited for him and his family and uh because i know how much this means to him to have that chance.
0: yeah I, I agree i mean I, like i said i felt, i felt like he was definitely the best offensive lineman in the conference Um, I really enjoyed watching him play. I thought he was a very explosive player, very good at run blocking. It was just a pleasure watching him play. And now I want to kind of just gear these last two questions about regarding just Mercer football here. Uh, One is about Fred Payton, um, a guy that transferred from Coastal Carolina, um, had an electric season. I mean, he he just – the way he played was just outstanding. Um, Had a really big game against ETSU that his last regular season game – or the last regular season game – in the 2021 season, it had 375 yards passing. Will you expect to see more of that, uh, more of that passing game show itself in this upcoming season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been a guy who, you know, I believe you got to be able to run the football, okay? Right. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the bottom line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but we want to take what the defense gives us. And we're, we're a little unusual because you played in my system there at Furman and you know, we do some unique things, and but we can throw the football. We want to be able to throw the football, and if that's what they're giving us, you know, we need to be able to do those things. So we want to be—I I, say—be balanced. You know, when when I say balanced, that that doesn't mean that you're going to run and throw it exactly the same number of times, but you want to let both work together. You know, so that both are are, are good. You know, and 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 you're and you're having success and. Um, you know, and, and, and Fred's a, a very talented young man. He got better throughout the season. Uh, he's an old Gwinnett County kid, played at Parkview. Uh, and, and so it was, you know, we needed an older guy to come in and, you know, we've got, you know, Carter Peavy as well, who was, who played for us in the spring as a true freshman and really had a, a good season. So I feel like, you know, we, we are, that, that's a pretty good room we got right there. It's the in the quarterback meeting room, you know, and. And, uh, you know, Fred uh, had a good year, played well against Alabama. He played well, you know, most, he, you know, and he'll tell you, he'll be the first to tell you that he can get so much better. You know, he's just a lot he's got to work on, but he had a really good spring for us. Um, and he's really uh, locked in. And I think because this is his last season, especially, I think he's, he's really just all into it and doing what he can uh, to make sure he plays at a high level.
0: So something, something to prove at the end of the day. I, I feel like, you know, they want to, as a quarterback, kind of seeing older guys play, as, especially as a senior quarterback, you have the type of success that you had last season. You get really close to winning a conference championship. You don't get it. That leaves a bad taste in your mouth if you want to finish off your career the right way. So I, I definitely can see him having that type of year. And now for the young guys that are, are going to be stepping into some roles, he has some seniors that did graduate. What young guys are you – really expecting to kind of have a huge role um, in the team's success for this upcoming season
1: you know it's hard to say it's uh we got a lot of guys back you right. know and and uh, I think I think we have I want to say we have eight starters back on offense and eight starters back on defense mm. um you know and, and so uh, I felt like first of all we played real solid defense last year uh, my defense coordinator Joel Taylor and our defense staff do a phenomenal job they're very sound they got the kids playing hard playing physical. Um, and so we got all, We should have an experienced uh, group coming back, um, you know. So it's hard to say any, any young guys defensively. Uh, you know, our most improved player on defense uh, was T.J. Moore, a corner from Riverdale uh, that uh, he played some for us last year, but I see him pushing to be the starter at corner. So that's a young guy that just really came on this spring, um, you know, Ken Stanley was named our, our defensive MVP. He's a linebacker that's just a really tough kid. Uh, Isaac Dowling is kind of the one that everybody knows on defense. He's that, he's that guy that was an All-American as a freshman, it, it, it Mike Linebacker, uh, and he's back. What a great kid and a great leader. Um, you know, we got, we got a pretty experienced bunch up front. Solomon Zabiru is a defensive end that uh, was all Conference last year. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good football player you know, if I think about a young guy, maybe a guy named Miles Jones on defense, just because he plays that, that what we call our cat, which is that boundary defensive end. Sometimes he's up on the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he's, he drops, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's a guy who uh, I think could could push for that starting role. And he'll be a, you know, he's only a, he'll be a second year guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so, uh, and then we kind of, we, we had our Rover graduate, who's our, our boundary safety. And so we're looking for a guy to step in there. We had a, a uh, guy transfer, another guy transfer from Coastal name, Shaheem Watkins, who's really impressed me this spring. And there's some young guys in the secondary who who had really good springs. Um, you know, so a uh, guy named Miles Redding, who went to uh, Whitfield Academy there in Marietta, Georgia, who, who really has a high ceiling. Uh, I think he's going to play a good bit back at safety. And, um, you know, so Lance Wise, obviously another name that everybody knows. He was an all-conference safety for us. So we got some guys back on defense. So I feel really good about that offensively. Um, if we can, you know, we lost our, our two guards. Right. Okay. You know, one of them, Poe and, and another, to both those guys, to, you know, to, to graduation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, uh, but I feel like our skill guys have really come on this, this spring offensively. Uh, we've been able to improve our team speed. Um, I think we have some good, good backs to hand it to. Uh, so, uh, uh, so yeah i feel i feel good about our tight end room we just got to keep getting better if we can if we can really the thing that takes the longest time in my opinion when when you're trying to really get somewhere is the offensive line it just takes time yeah. you know because we we had to i'm gonna be honest we had to flip that room when, when we got there it was that was a room that was not very good when we got there <laughs> and so uh, we we've about flipped that room i think there's one guy left on the offensive line that was with us when we when we first got there john mm-hmm. thomas who's who's a really good football player at right tackle, um, you know, and then everybody else is, is guys that we brought in. And uh, some of them are just second-year guys still, you know, so we still got to continue to improve there, learning how to play together as a five-man unit, getting bigger and stronger. That just takes a lot of experience and time. Those receivers, man, you throw a freshman out there at receiver, tell them to run deep. And, you know, it, that, that's, <laughs> that's not as hard. But when you got those five, you know how it works. Those five linemen, you played some as a true freshman, you're not ready for that. You know, it takes it takes some time, man, because you've got all this stuff coming at you. And, you know, so I feel like that's the area where we continue to improve up front offensively. That's going to be the key to our season. Um, and uh, But I feel good about that because I those guys had a good spring and they got better.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I see. I, I don't know. Hopefully time doesn't cut us off. And if it does, hopefully we can jump back in because I really want to get into the kind of more personal part of you. Not too personal where we're getting too deep, but just enough because I feel like there's so much about you that a lot of people do not know that – I was fortunate enough to really kind of learn in that one year we got to spend together. Um, and that's really just that, how Christianity has really shaped your life and how you have used that, not really, I not want to say used it, but how you have allowed it to influence, you know, the players around you, the coaches around you and how you've been able to let God's glory shine through you. So h- how has that been able to shape your life as much as it has? Like when did it click for you? Unfortunately, time did cut us short, but that's Okay. Um, the second half of the interview with Coach Chronic will be dropping next week, and just the amount of information that we talked about in terms of NIL, transfer portal, um, just guys that are that could be leaving too soon, and there's also a time when it's right for guys to leave. You know, we talk about all those things in the uh, next episode, in the se- second half of that interview. Also, in our next episode, the intro will be a little bit different. We'll start off with. Um, an interview with, well, not really an interview, but just a talk with one of my old teammates from my high school days. So, shout out to the Sandy Creek family. Shout out to uh, Coach Murphy. I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, Garvin, all of those guys at, at Sandy Creek, shout out to them. Um, we're going to talk for a little bit, and we're going to maybe tease some things to come. Maybe. Who knows? But I will see you all next week. Thank you guys for watching and listening. This is Cole Neely signing off.